0: It's time for episode 493 of the clockwise podcast from Relay FM recorded Wednesday, March 8th, 2023 clockwise for people four tech topics 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that comes in like a lion and goes out like a lion who spent 30 minutes on a tech podcast. My name is Dan Moore and I'm joined across the internet by my good friend, my pal, my co-dungeons and dragon player on the internet. Once again, it is the one and only Micah Sargent. How are you doing today, Micah?
1: I'm doing well, Dan. I will tell you, I usually wait until the show to hear your intro, but my brain was, or my eyes were faster than my brain this morning. And so I ended up reading your intro
0: and I had a good chuckle this morning. So I quite liked today's <laughs> intro. I'm delighted to provide people with a chuckle. It's what I do. Uh, and <laughs> on this show, what we do is invite on two fantastic guests to talk about four tech topics. To my left this week, it is a writer and photographer, and you should check out his newsletter on computational photography at photo-ai.com. It's Jeff Carlson. Welcome back, Jeff. Thank you so much. Good morning. Good morning to you. And to my left, the host of
1: Two Headed Girl podcast, as well as just an all-around great person and uh, honestly, a person with a great laugh. It's Alex Cox. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I am doing great, Micah. Thank you very much. Let's get things underway here. I'm going to start off with this question. Sonos unveiled some new speakers that support Apple's spatial audio feature. My question for you is, do you listen in spatial audio? Do you listen to music or other things in spatial audio? On what devices do you find it's something that you appreciate, that you like,
2: or that you even notice? I'm just curious. It's been out for a while. Jeff, let's start with you. Uh, my answer is kind of. I listen to music pretty much all day through my Mac onto some AirPod Max headphones. And the spatial audio there is great, but I found that having the option to have it follow my head so that basically the audio is coming, seems to be coming from the laptop directly, kind of freaked me out. Even though I don't, like, I don't move around a whole much, but. It's just a little bit weird. So I have the option set so that it's, it's still spatial, but it's not directional. I can't remember exactly what that setting is called. Um, although I will sometimes if I'm watching a movie on my iPad, I'll turn that on uh, partially because it's it's a really cool effect. And with a movie, it makes a little bit more sense to me. But otherwise, I don't always notice that it's on, but it, it sounds fine. So it sounds good, and that allows me to focus on other things. I am a spatial audio listener, but I don't, it's not as if
1: I, I don't know, seek out spatial audio. It's just when it is sort of provided with the album that I'm listening to, then. I play it that way. Um, there have been a few times where, and I wish I, you know, perhaps I should keep a little notebook or something where uh, I find myself delighted by the way that the album sounds in spatial audio or a specific song sounds in spatial audio. Cause there have been a few times where I would go, Oh, Oh yeah. I like how that sounds. That sounds cool. Um, but for the most part, it's just when I'm downloading uh, new music in Apple music, I, I, get the kind that has spatial audio. And then if I'm listening with my AirPods pro or listening on the studio display, then in those two instances, um, I am listening to it with spatial audio and it just kind of happens to be something that, that, uh, that's taking place. It's sort of a passive listening experience, I guess. Uh, Alex, what about you?
3: I'm surprised. I am like a diehard spatial audio fan, with the exception of some of the albums on Apple Music that were remixed in spatial audio in a way that didn't transfer well, like a... uh, Hmm. Blink-182 album from the mid-aughts really was supposed to be mostly mono, and that's okay. But I really love the head tracking. I keep that on all the time with my phone, partially because when I walk away and um, just am, like, wandering, pacing about my apartment, then I can return to my phone, like, have this game of hot and cold with my ears. But it also (laughs) reminds me a lot of experiences with, like, by Neural audio or really absolutely wild Dolby experiences at Disney World from when I was a kid. So it just feels—I'm sorry for even saying this—a little automagical, and especially the shows on Disney Plus. And I do notice it when there is a show that doesn't support it or a show that doesn't do it well on Apple TV Plus.
0: I think we really run the gamut here, which is kind of interesting. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. No, uh, I, I don't. Maybe this is a function, as Alex pointed out. Maybe this is a function of the albums I'm listening to more than anything. Where I feel like, you know, my musical tastes largely stopped after. <laughs> 2010 or so maybe uh and i just am like most of the albums i listen to i always find myself walking somewhere listening on my airpods pro and thinking why does this sound weird? Uh, and then hmm. I'll be like, oh, I bet spatial audio is on. And then I go, and I turn it off, and it sounds more like what I'm expecting. So I can't tell if that's my brain just being like, I want to hear something that's familiar and that I recognize and understand like how to process because I'm kind of looking for stuff in the background, or if it's a matter of these being just bad mixes or transfers from stuff that was never designed to be in spatial audio. But for some reason, I, I really don't tend to like it. So I guess, yeah, I guess I'm just weird, um, but that's fine. Uh, I, I, not my thing, but I'm glad other people appreciate it more than I do. Uh, thank you all for your thoughts on that topic. Let's go to our second topic, which comes from Jeff.
2: Yeah. So I was thinking the other day, we tend to focus on the shiny and the new and the new iPhones and the new everything. Uh, but I'm kind of curious to know, what is the oldest piece of tech in your everyday setup? Not something in a closet or a drawer, but something that you're actively using. I still have a SuperDrive. Um, I remember once again in college, wow.
1: um, I went to the like on-campus store, and at the time, I had Rosetta Stone, and I got some CDs, some Rosetta Stone CDs from a friend of mine, and needed to install it, and so I needed a drive, and obviously at the time I had, uh, I wasn't able to. There was no CD slot on the side of my computer. So I got a SuperDrive and I still have it today. And I still do occasionally use it for movies. I have a friend who will get movies from time to time and then <laughs> wants to keep those movies. And so that friend borrows my SuperDrive <laughs> to keep those movies uh, in a digital format. Yeah, that's that's all we'll go with. Um, Alex, <laughs> tell us about your oldest tech.
3: My oldest bit of tech is, I think, te- I, I don't know, but I guess it's technically new because it was created in 2013, but I bought it literally last week. It's the Matthias Tactical Keyboard, which is just this, oh, I have it right here. Clicky, click, click. Um, <laughs> it is a keyboard that I wanted for a decade. I I bet Dan actually had blogged about this. I know Jason Snell definitely did. But at the time, it was just out of my price range of a $100 (laughs) when I was in high school. And it happened to be a like, it was used, it just happened to be there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have not stopped typing on it since it works perfectly. I do miss the Touch ID on my M2 MacBook Air, but it's kind of reminding me of the first time I was using Twitter because I I remember a link uh, to the review of that keyboard from Twitter. It's just, I don't know, a nice reminder. And it's not uh, fiddly the way a lot of uh, the cool me- mechanical keyboards are. I just adore it. It has that white iMac G4 s- <laughs> sort of aesthetic too. It's super cool. I, you know, I'm looking
0: around my my setup and I'm really struggling with this one because I think I have swapped out most of my work tech in the last couple of years. So I don't really have much that's old. I've tried the various keyboards, like mechanical keyboards and stuff like that. And I just honestly, I don't, I bought a Keychron one a couple of years ago And I just didn't like it. It was too loud for me, especially when I'm podcasting and I want to type quietly. And I just felt like I'm so used to like the sort of flat Apple keyboards after years of using laptops and stuff like that, that I'm just very happy to have sort of the same keyboard typing experience on all my devices. But I think that's probably even that's probably only it probably came with my iMac 2017? Yeah, it's not that old, so I guess all my vintage stuff is,
2: is in the closet, indeed. <laughs> Jeff, why don't you wrap us up here? I had the Matthias keyboard, I had big old clickety keyboards, and like I really loved them, and then one broke, and I was in the middle of a deadline, and so I just grabbed this one as a replacement, and it's it's worked fine, except that I have to replace the batteries a lot. And so, strangely, it's it's just Comfortable and and it works. Um, and I think the other thing, the thing that prompted me with this question is that I have an Apple 27 inch LED cinema display mm-hmm. that, um, under the current versions of macOS, you need a special utility just to control the brightness. And there's like it has issues. Uh, But it still looks great. It still works perfectly fine when I'm not, you know, trying to be a photographer, when I'm, you know, being a writer, uh, it's perfectly fine.
0: That's two topics down with two topics to go, which of course means it's halftime here at Clockwise. And this week's episode is brought to you by How to Fix the Internet, an original podcast from the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Sometimes it can feel like we're lurching towards a digital future no one wants, but it doesn't have to be that way. There are choices we can make to create an internet that makes a better future for all of us. Technologists and policymakers have solutions to the problems facing our online world today, so we can build an internet that has all the good things we want from tech with none of the creepy stuff. Your hosts are Cindy Cohn and Jason Kelly. Cindy's the executive director of the Electronic Frontier Foundation and has been in the trenches, the courtrooms, and boardrooms of tech activism for decades. Jason joins the show this season and he's a digital strategist and activist with EFF where he focuses his work on privacy, free speech, and surveillance. In each episode, Cindy and Jason invite someone with a vision on how to fix the internet, someone with real solutions on how to move the needle towards a better online world. The show will make you feel better about our digital future, be more knowledgeable about what needs fixing, and be more engaged to demand change. Episodes are available anywhere you listen to podcasts and at EFF.org slash podcast. Uh, I listened to an episode with Andrew Bunny Huang, which is talking about sort of uh, the problems that we have with our current uh, patent and copyrights uh, set up in technology and why it stifles competition and how there are... So many options for uh, how you can broaden this and make stuff much more freely available uh, if we're willing to maybe, you know, open those rules up a little bit and allow a little more interplay rather than locking everything down into sort of a proprietary uh, manner. So check that out. If it sounds interesting, search for How to Fix the Internet and your podcast player. We'll also include a link in the show notes. Our thanks to How to Fix the Internet for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right. Halftime is over. Micah, what's your topic?
1: Uh, My question for you, do you have a smart TV? And if you do, do you use any of its features or do you rely on a media streaming box connected to the TV? Alex, we'll start with you.
3: I do, against my you know all of my wishes but i don't think in 2023 you can buy a new tv that does not have those uh, features built in but i have not connected it to the internet i have never done a system update anything like that i just use my apple tv and sure there are all of The issues of Apple TV we know and hate, but I still think it, it, at least it feels, I could be just deluding myself, it feels less gross for uh, Apple to have uh, the data on what I watch and the specific streaming services versus all of those streaming services and LG and their partners and whatever.
0: Uh long time listeners know I have an older TV. Um I think it's from twenty fourteen. I replaced a TV that broke. Um and it is nominally a smart TV, but it's like integrated with smart TV services from 2014, which means I think there's like a Netflix button on the remote and maybe like iHeartRadio or something. I feel like there's one other too. I don't even know what it is. I've only ever pressed those buttons by accident. Um I have never used any of the apps built into it. Um, What I like about it is the fact that I can not have it on the internet, not internet connected, so I don't ever have to worry about that. It is basically just a display that is attached to an Apple TV, and then some game consoles. So I do, like Alex, I rely on the Apple TV for everything pretty much. Uh, I'm pretty much down to just using the Apple TV remote too. I can actually like turn on my TV and turn off my TV using that, uh, which is great. So I only Mm -hmm. have one remote except for every once in a while I need to dig out the TV remote for like, one thing i don't like the idea of the smart tv um it annoys me and i feel like i just would rather have a dumb tv display that i can hook up to a a stream box of my choice um uh, again i agree with alex i think apple tv is not perfect but it is kind of the the best of all evils uh (laughs) and i i generally find it a pretty a decent experience if not a fantastic experience i will also say uh i've taken flack before for not having a 4k tv with like hdr and all that jazz but i laugh every time somebody complains that they were watching an episode of a tv show that was too dark because i don't have that problem without hdr honestly because my tv can't get that dark (laughs) (laughs) shows that other people complain (laughs) are too dark are actually totally fine so uh there is a virtue chalk one up for old technology sometimes uh you know there's some advantages
2: there Jeff, what about you? <laughs> uh, I'm going to echo a lot of that. Uh, we do have a TV that is 4K HDR because our old one died and so it just made sense. But I didn't have an Apple TV that could do 4K HDR for a while. So at the very beginning, I would uh, use the the Roku system just to, just to see what some of the, the 4K HDR movies were like that I, that I had in my library. And they were kind of cool but not enough for me to just switch all the way to it. And for the same reasons, like, I don't know, like it just feels gross. Mm -hmm. Like they, you know, that they're going to sell your data and your listening and and all of that. So I have turned that part off and I use an Apple TV. I've since gotten a a modern 4K uh, Apple TV and use that. And um, I think I even at one point, Blocked the smart TV uh, at the router. So it's, it's not able to even send anything. It just feels icky, but I was happy to spend a moderate amount of money for a fairly large TV. So uh, sorry to disrupt your business model, I guess, but not really sorry. I am also, I do own a smart TV.
1: Um, I will be honest and say that I have. Um, Allowed it to connect to the internet uh, in the past because I wanted it to be able to uh, update so that I could try out it added AirPlay 2 uh, functionality. And I wanted to be able to try out the AirPlay 2 functionality. But I do have the television in a specific profile on my router where it essentially blocks all uh, sort of advertising style uh, connections. And Every week, I get a little notification from my app that says, hey, here's sort of the threats that have been blocked this week, the ads that have been blocked this week, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And without a doubt and without fail, that television has more attempted requests than any <laughs> other device on the network. Be please, it, uh, Micah, Mac, please, yeah, please let, let me on the way. Internet. <laughs> like, it is ridiculous how much it has tried to contact it, you know, it's a phone home. Um, and let's see, uh, <laughs> this week, there have been, I'm not kidding you, this week, Seventeen thousand nine hundred eighty-one.
3: Oh, I need a fainting couch. Oh my <laughs> right?
1: god! Oh,
0: my pearls are I'm, clutch. I'm just hearing your TV. <laughs> How about now? How about now? How about now? How about now?
3: <laughs> Is that not
1: ridiculous? Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, it sh- it shakes me to mm-hmm. my core that it's contacting that in one week. Um But. Anyway, I I was curious, kind of, I think a lot of people, yeah, they end up having smart TVs, um, as Alex rightly pointed out, but we are often using some sort of, you know, other device to connect with. So uh, thank you all for telling me about your own setups. Let us move to our next topic, which comes from Alex.
3: Do you still use Twitter? And what is it like i specifically wrote in the doc that i mean this with zero snark because as i talk to people in different communities that are sort of outside our apple bubble or even a tech bubble i have gotten so many different answers from folks still using it
0: um so i occasionally pop in on twitter um, with the, when third-party app access was cut off, that really, really cut down my use of Twitter. I mean, I was not super happy with the current, uh, ownership or direction that it was going, but as a place that I had a decently large platform and a need to occasionally, Um, promote stuff, whether it be books or podcasts or what have you. Uh, I still kept sort of my hand in every once in a while. I wasn't really posting anything other than like links to stuff I'd made and occasionally like responding to people who I couldn't talk to elsewhere. But even now with the third-party access gone, I check maybe once or twice a day and I find almost invariably... Most of the people I'm interested in talking to aren't there. It's a much smaller subset of the people I was following who are actually posting. There's a lot of a lot of the people who are still there who I follow just retweet a lot of stuff, and I find less value from some of that because it just sort of takes over my timeline. Um, and it's just yeah, the trends are weird, like. I never clicked on them much in the past other than occasionally out of sort of a morbid curiosity, but they seem to have gotten even worse. Um, and I just, I usually pop in for a few minutes, kind of look around and I'm like,
2: and then sort of back out slowly. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my experience. <laughs> Jeff, what about you? Uh, very similar. Maybe check it uh, you know, three or four times a week. Um, I Unfortunately, I share the name of a sort of, Crazy wacko right wing, uh, oh no! Uh, oh, political writer, and so every once in a while I check my mentions to see if somebody has copied me instead of him, and uh, so you know that's that's a lot of fun. It hasn't happened a whole lot, but every once in a while it'll blow up, and I'll be like, "What's going on?" Oh, right, it's it's the crazies, um, and so I I haven't really done anything with it in the last you know month or so, and. There's still that little bit of pull because there are some I think more interesting uh topics and people that i that I used to follow, but I don't know it 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 makes me feel dirty, so i'm I'm staying away
1: I have not really found myself using because Twitter used to be the social media network that I used uh as my main means of of sort of communicating out into the world, and i have not been doing that. So because I have not been doing that, I don't, I'm not really doing much social media stuff in general. Um, occasionally I'll post to, uh, a social media service, but it's no, it's, it's not like it used to be where I just, you know, Oh, today just feels like a day where I want to say something online. Um, now it's kind of once in a blue moon, I get you know, or feel like I want to share something or or what have you, but yeah, I'm just really not using it all that much. And it, um, I would say it doesn't feel tumbleweedy to me when I do go to, uh, the service because there are people who are regularly using it that, you know, seem to enjoy, uh, still using it, but it's just, I don't know necessarily a place for me Uh, to be, I'm not enjoying it as much as I used to. Um, Alex, why don't you round us out here?
3: Don't begrudge any folks who still use Twitter, but like all of you, it's just not really for me anymore. With the exception of the communities that I had in, that were specifically around Pokemon Go and the reality show Survivor, and the sort of the week that Twitter broke for the first time after Musk took over, people were asking me, like, what is what's what's happening. And so a lot of those folks have moved over to Discord, but for a while, if you know, if you weren't super tuned in and didn't necessarily follow the trends, even if you used the main Twitter app, People didn't really know what's, what was going on, and and now that has changed uh, because <laughs> I went into the main the, the app. Well, I was gonna say the first party app, but there are no other apps anymore. Um, It wasn't tumbleweeds. It was a lot of Elon Musk and the remainder of reporters I follow that are kind of just they sort of perpetuate the outrage machine and quote tweet. That that's not for me, but it was interesting that the algorithm just doesn't know what the heck i want anymore at all and before while it did show me um you know news stories that were meant to be reactionary and whatnot and did often work on me it at least was like it knew my interests whereas now it's not like that at all. And it breaks all the time. And the funniest thing is I still have a Twitter uh, blue checkmark, which mm-hmm. I never had before. <laughs> I did pay for, yeah, I, I paid for Twitter blue back in the day when it had the top articles because I found those actually useful and then stopped paying for it because that it, it's, I was like... <laughs> Again, don't begrudge anybody, but I don't have $8 to spend on a website that doesn't really work. And I didn't even know that Twitter had gone down until it showed up on Mastodon. And then when I went on Twitter, it was half broken and then half people intentionally posting broken photos as like, like a bit. So I don't even know what the heck is happening on there anymore, which it excites me in the same way that, you know, a lot of us relay folks have talked about, you know, a return to RSS and blogging, but people in other communities are really, you know, finding different ways to talk to one another that aren't completely algorithm based. So I'm I'm just kind of excited about the future, even the future of what algorithmic social media might be.
0: Well, that is four topics down. Uh, We've just enough time for a bonus topic. But first, I want to tell you that this week's episode of Clockwise is brought to you by ZocDoc. Uh, look, if you're trying to find a cause for your symptoms, you stumble down a TikTok rabbit hole, and now you're more worried than before. There are better ways to get the answers you want and the care you deserve from trusted professionals and not random people on the internet. ZocDoc helps you find expert doctors and medical professionals that specialize in the care you need and deliver the type of experience that you want. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. While I have not personally had an opportunity to use ZocDoc, my good friend and co-host over at The Rebound, Lex Friedman, is a diehard ZocDoc supporter. He has a great story about how he discovered he had this painful bump on his head, and he used ZocDoc to book a doctor and got seen, and they made it to fix the problem. It all went away, and he could not be happier, honestly. So anybody who needs to find a Doctor quickly and doesn't want to have to wade through all of those things. Uh, might might benefit from Zocdoc. So when you're not feeling your best and you're just trying to hold it together, finding great care shouldn't take up all your energy. That's where Zocdoc comes in. Using their free app that millions of users rely on, you can find the right doctor that meets your needs and fits your schedule. Book an appointment with just a few taps in their app and start feeling better with Zocdoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash clockwise and download the ZocDoc app for free, then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's dot com slash clockwise. Once again, because it's just fun to say ZocDoc.com slash clockwise. <laughs> our thanks to ZocDoc for the support of the show and all of Relay FM. All right. Our super fast bonus topic time. Are you a beach person, Jeff? Beach,
2: please. <laughs> Sorry.
3: Uh,
2: i will go to the beach i am not drawn to the beach
1: i so n- not growing up uh never really understood the beach uh moved to california and i understand the beach um am I, <laughs> is it my favorite thing in the world no but do i like going to the beach and seeing the magnificence that is looking out and not seeing the end of the earth sorry flat earthers um (laughs) yeah i i think the beach is cool um i very much like the beach especially cold beaches hot beaches not so much alex what about you
3: uh, long, long story short, uh, short, versus the thing I did before, I used to uh, adore the beach, but since 2016, um, as a person with a body that can't pass as uh, it it's not a great experience anymore. So uh, when I go to the beach, usually I get to the ocean as quickly as possible, and I absolutely adore. The ocean. I love marine life. So, you know, if I have to go to the beach to get to what I love, so be it.
0: I think I'm in the Jeff camp. Uh, I will go. It's not really my thing. As a great philosopher once said, I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere. So uh, for me, not a beach person. But thank you all.
2: I can't believe you
0: went there. Wow. Let's <laughs> uh, see if anybody else got it. That's fine. <laughs> hey, if you like to get ad-free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week, you can become a member of Clockwise. Just go to relay.fm slash Clockwise. You can sign up for just $5 a month or $50 a year. And you'll help support the show. And this week's overtime topic We talk about consumer tech's impact on personal health. And with that, we have reached the end of this week's episode. All that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guest, Jeff Carlson. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And Alex Cox, thanks so much for joining us.
3: As always, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is so fun.
0: And Micah, we'll be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.